Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Biden won't stop. Biden won't quit. You know, as much as I don't want to have a whole conversation about COVID, man, I got to bring you Biden continuing to double down and triple down on this idea that COVID is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Science teaches us something. Data tells us something. But the key is, of course, always being open to what is new because it could replace what is old. The sun used to revolve around the earth until, of course, it didn't. The earth was flat until, of course, it wasn't. But the earth never or the sun never revolved around the earth. The earth always revolved around the sun and the earth was never flat. That's what it is that we learned. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Of course, Rumble is where you find a lot of our work. Rumble.com, everything at TonyKatz.com. People who are vaccinated can get sick. The FDA director, the acting director has said everyone's going to get COVID. It's just a question of of what they're going to get. SARS-CoV-2, Delta, Omicron, they're going to get Omicron. Everyone's got it. I still have that dumb little cough (coughs) right there. Oh, it's just a little, it's like a little tickle. I can feel it. But I've had it before when I've had a cold. I've had it before when I, I felt my voice going, which 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 I have. That's been the 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 lingering. I've also been doing more talking than ever because I'm doing so much more stuff, and maybe it's just a question of getting used to it. But when you scream, unvaccinated are dying from COVID, that happens to be true. Doctors will tell you that people who are unvaccinated are the ones who end up the most ill and die. The vaccinated are very rarely dying from COVID. That very rarely. It doesn't mean that they're not dying. It doesn't mean the people who haven't been boosted haven't died. This is the conversation about the science and the data. Why can't we have this conversation? Instead, I get a president who does this. The update. I know we're all frustrated as we enter this new year. Omicron variant is causing millions of cases and record hospitalizations. I've been uh, I've been saying that as we remain in this pandemic. Uh, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And I mean by this right now, both vaccinated and unvaccinated people are testing positive. But what happens after that could not be more different. If vaccinated people test positive, they're overwhelmingly have either no symptoms at all or they have mild symptoms. Let's stop for a moment. The FDA acting director said everyone will get COVID. And those people, now did I have COVID? I have absolutely no idea. I didn't get tested. I didn't go to a hospital and waste their time. What are you, crazy? My mother has a cold right now. You know what she's doing? Chicken soup. I happen to have the recipe right here. I have, of course, I've got my mother's chicken soup recipe. What are you, crazy? We had a whole conversation about whether or not uh, she actually takes the the chicken and, and boils it down to create her own stock. And the answer is she certainly used to. As she's older, she relies a little bit more on bouillon. 
I can appreciate such a thing just for time and and, and, and everything else. And because usually, you know, for people who like, well, back in the day, you would roast your own chicken. Then you realize you can go to Costco and get a roast chicken for five bucks. You're like, I'm never roasting a freaking chicken again. That that is done. Finished. And so you eat some of it and then you take the rest of it. And that's what you make the soup with. Right after a couple days, I, I, my house really that different than yours. But her and my, and, and my father don't do that, so the odds of having some chicken in the house is a little bit less, right? It's a, you want the bones and everything else because you want to get you know the, the boiling water into that marrow, get out some of that flavor, things like that. But then I've got the rest of the recipe. That's what she's been doing. She's feeling better. She didn't waste her time going to a hospital and getting tested. If her doctor said, you should go to a hospital, she would have gone to a hospital. But when we talk about the overcrowding of hospitals, let's talk about all the people engaged in panic and in fear and doing exactly the thing that they shouldn't be doing. Everybody will get some version of this nonsense. Not everybody's going to be symptomatic. Some people are just going to feel like crud. Just cruddy. Just like, oh, I wish this was over. But I don't know, man. Everybody. Everybody's got some version of this. So when you talk about the flooding of the hospitals, people are flooding hospitals who shouldn't. The president of the United States should be telling them not to. Consult with your doctor. Don't just run to a hospital. But I don't think they say that because they actually want people running to hospitals. That is a gross thing to think. It is. It's a gross thing to think. But it's exactly what I think. Back to President Biden. And if they're if you're unvaccinated, if they test positive, there are you are 17 times more likely to get hospitalized. As a result, they're crowding our hospitals, leaving little room for anyone else who might have a heart attack or an injury in an automobile accident. Or any- Let's talk about all the people who are dying who shouldn't be the people you say can't get in to the hospital this was an amazing bit of data this was from one america so that the 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 healthcare people right and what they saw was that death rates were crazy high like insanely, insanely, stupidly high. WFMZ with the story, Indiana Life Insurance CEO says deaths are up 40% among people ages 18 to 64. They're seeing huge, huge numbers. I talked about this story. This is like like numbers that are over anything they've ever thought they'd see. They think, it, you know, if it was 10% over pre-pandemic, it would be a one in 200 year catastrophe. They're seeing 40%. But it isn't just of COVID or isn't actually of COVID. What happened was, was that during the pandemic, People didn't go see their doctor for a whole list of maladies, including cancer treatments. And little things became big things, and now people are dying. You're also in winter months, and you're seeing hospitals having large influxes of something called RSV. Do you know what RSV is? 
respiratory syncytial virus. Fox News with the story out there in Colorado. In Colorado schools, the thing spreading the most is not Omicron, it's RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. What is RSV? All right, let me, I don't want to be gross, but I got to try. Um, you ever, you ever uh, hakalugi? Right, you got some chest congestion and you cough it up, and you, oh God, it's gross. You spit it out, you're like, my God, that was in me. Well, that's because you're an adult and you can control the muscles better and you have an idea of what it is you're doing. Now picture you're dealing with a kid. Two, three, four. They don't have a control over these things. They don't know how to, to deal with them. So they get sick and they get this chest congestion, but they don't have a way to get the congestion out. Not being able to get the congestion out leads to respiratory syncytial virus, or, or I should say the respiratory syncytial virus that causes the congestion leads to other issues. RSV is outrageously contagious. It's been around for a good long time. It comes about in winter. What's interesting is that we actually saw it this past summer. RSV cases were huge. Why? Because kids were finally allowed to play with other kids and kids, as kids do, spread germs. So you happen to see a big spike of it in the summer, and now, because it's winter, when you see more respiratory illnesses, boom, you're seeing a big spike. I swear to you, I don't enjoy playing doctor unless I'm in the bedroom. But if I gotta do it, Doogie Cats, MD, I'm here for you. It is amazing how this information doesn't get out. This is also clogging hospitals. But this idea, this constant, oh, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Then they get into the whole insanity about masks. The Omicron variant. Vaccinations are obviously the most important thing we're doing. But they're, but they're not the only important thing. First, masking, masking. Masking is an important tool to control the spread of COVID-19. And when you're indoors in public places, you should wear the mask. And you're, there, there, there are a lot, you know, lots of different kinds of masks out there. And the Center, for, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, says that wearing a well-fitting mask of, of, of any of them is certainly better than not wearing a mask. It was well-fitting. What if over your nose? And, but it's about one-third, about one-third of Americans report they don't wear a mask at all. As I've said in the last two years, please wear a mask. A mask that has a three-millimeter gap has efficacy of 3%. Your move, President Biden. Well-fitting. You mean uh, uh, an N95? Are you really saying that you want Americans in N95 masks? Best of luck. Best of luck. You wore an N95 mask for more than 20 minutes, you'd have a headache. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it 40 minutes? Am I, am I, you know, not speaking properly? There was a doctor out of Canada. Dr. Pirzada, MD, emergency physician in Toronto. Well, they put out a tweet, a picture of about 10 kids wearing masks. 
And the doctor writes, it is not inevitable that our kids will get COVID. The tools exist, including comfortable kid-sized N95 masks. An N95 mask, ask anybody who wears one of those for work, it is hard to breathe. Anybody who says otherwise is lying through their holy damn teeth. But this doctor thinks they're comfortable for kids. HEPA filters to prevent this. Some opine that kids' N95 masks are too hard to wear, are harmful, etc. And then he references the photo of these children that he put together, a little collage. He goes, let me ask you, do these kids look like they're uncomfortable? Which is exactly the kind of question that the Taliban asks when they're marrying one of them. That's how sickened I got by that guy's question. Do these kids look like they're uncomfortable? Is so creepy. Also, you took a photo. Was that when they started their day or the end of the eight-hour school day where they weren't allowed to take it off? Using children for your propaganda purposes is freaking horrific. And also, no, the kids don't look comfortable at all. We're through the looking glass on uh, fearing COVID. Why is it that these people will not engage a science of COVID? But of course, Biden continues to make to make huge, serious mistakes, believing that testing is the way out. Testing. We're seeing real improvement in testing. When I got here, we were doing fewer than two million tests a day. Now, and it's changed. None of these tests were at home or rapid test. This month, it's estimated that we will hit approximately 15 million tests a day, and we'll have over 375 million at-home rapid tests in January alone. So what? So what? Should the people who have a cold really be wasting time of hospitals and testing? This is from Dr. Louis Perfetta. He's an ER doctor in Indianapolis. He's listed by LinkedIn as one of the 12 doctors you should be following. Great dude. I don't agree with him on everything, but I always find that his assessment is completely honest. This is what he's experiencing as an ER doctor. He put this out on Facebook. Studies show that 100% of children with minor upper respiratory infections who are tested for COVID and tested positive were diagnosed with COVID. Those who were not tested were diagnosed with some kind of cold. Data is irrefutable. Testing causes COVID-19 in children. That's his point. Why are you testing if you know your kid isn't feeling well? Just have them stay home. They'll feel better. If they're having breathing issues, take them to a hospital. If their doctor says take them to a hospital, take them to a hospital. You take them to a hospital to get tested when they've got a runny nose? Why? Dr. Rafetic continues, data is irrefutable. Testing causes COVID-19 in children. Those diagnosed with COVID took about three days to get better. However, the cold group recovered in only 72 hours. That's a little bit of comedy right there. Testing, testing, testing is not the answer. It's never been the answer. It will never be the answer. Being rational is the answer. That's what matters. But then again, 
Biden is not playing into the rationality, and some reporters want to ask some questions. First, vaccinated Americans who are wondering why they should continue to restrict their activities given your health officials say most Americans will get COVID at some point. Folks, we'll talk about that later. Come on. Come on. Don't ask me questions. I'm just the president. Don't you know I don't like questions? Let me yell about Trump some more. That's what I like. Because I'm an angry old man. Which he is. I've got more to get to. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. I freaking love this Nelly story. If only because I never thought I'd be doing a story about Nelly. So, so the story is that uh, a duffel bag was found in a bowling alley. In the duffel bag, $300,000 in cash. Woman finds this. She's like, holy cow. Somehow decides it belongs to Nelly, the, 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 the rapper. Finds him, returns it to him, and he, according to the story, he rewarded her with a hundred bucks. Now I've been searching. I'm like, there's no way this story is real. There's no way that this actually happened, right? Except the story's everywhere. The story's everywhere. And Nellie's like, this didn't happen. I don't know whose bag it was. I don't know whose 300000 it was. Uh, I, 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 I can't. I, I couldn't do this on my own, right? Uh, I, the, here, here is the response from Nellie. Cap, super cap, puts out on, on, on Twitter. Cap means it's a lie. Cap means it's, it's nonsense. That's what cap means. That's what the kids say. Uh, super cap, I didn't lose blank. IDK meaning I don't know what bag or whose bag they talking about, but a damn show wasn't mine. I'm, I'm reading it. Don't get angry with me. Don't claim I'm doing anything. I read it from Nelly himself. So people were angry. Someone returns to you 300 grand, you give them 100 bucks. What's wrong with you? I think we got to turn the conversation around. It's uh, it's his money. If you didn't want to give away, give back the three hundred thousand dollars. Um, I mean, you could have just stolen it. You hear what I'm saying? A reward is a reward. I thought you were just doing the good deed. It wasn't about the money. It's about the money. Okay. It's an interesting twist to this conversation. The inflation. How it affects us right here in Indiana. Dr. Matt Will, economist, is with us. This is Tony Katz today. Seven percent inflation, and a lot of you have gotten in touch with me to say, "No way, Katz. Way higher than that." Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's really good to be with you. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, everything at TonyKatz.com. If you take a look, they'll say, yes, 7% inflation. According to uh, CNBC, wholesale prices jumped nearly 10% in 2021. But the number of people been working on is 7%. And I've gotten a lot of people saying, oh, no, 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 no. Take a look at this industry. Take a look at that industry. Take a look at the other industry. Way higher. 
the question before us is where does this come from? The question before us is what brings about the inflation. Many of us understand that this is about policy and this is about putting too much cash into the system. If I listen to Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, well, it's all supply chain. What we know is as long as there is a pandemic, it will be creating disruptions. Now, the good news is we found a lot of steps that we can take, including in the short term, that have made a huge difference. But if we have to bring in so many goods from overseas that uh, a shipping issue or a factory closure thousands of miles away stops us from getting what we need, that's a problem. I don't disagree that it's a problem, but it isn't what's causing inflation, is it? I mean, that's a blame game conversation, not what's causing inflation, is it? Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Matt Will, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L dot com is where you can find him. First, let's talk about this 7% that we're dealing with uh, over the previous year, highest since 1982. Is this what you expected? Is this higher than you what you expected? Or is that 7% actually low and we're somehow not accounting for things? Well, you know what, Tony, if you go back and just listen to our conversations just about uh, five or six months ago, I said exactly that this was going to happen. It was not transitory. And I think 7% is low. I think there's going to be more to the picture than what we see, because the way they calculate the CPI is a very, very old basket of goods. In reality, it, the, insur- the inflation rate is probably higher. I can't tell you the exact number, but my guess would be in the 10% range minimum. Now, that would be in terms of, uh, of a psychological barrier would would create in people fear, panic, all these kinds of things. But what we're talking about is it just costs more to buy the everyday things and something that we did discuss, something that you mentioned about six months ago. Now is the time to buy things because your money is going to be worth less, uh, not worthless, but worth less uh, in, into 2022. And that's exactly what we're seeing. I think the question is, when does this end? But, Tony, it's not going to end because the, the cause of this is very simple. It's government. Government causes inflation. They create it by spending money. They create it by printing money. It's a very simple formula. Milton Friedman won a Nobel Prize for this. It's not complex. Yet the, the government likes to blame it on other people. This government, Tony, is a socialist-oriented government. They're going to spend more money, and that's going to cause more inflation. And even though the Fed has said they're going to try to control inflation, they're fighting Um, fiscal policy. Tony, the government wants to spend. Joe Manchin will not hold out forever. At some point, they're going to spend the trillions of dollars they want to spend, and that will add fuel to the fire. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Let's get back to this uh, supply chain issue, which uh, I've made my argument that just because the holidays are over doesn't mean the supply chain issues are are over. Uh, You had spent some time on the West Coast. You had seen uh, the ports not working. It was President Biden who said, we're going to have those ports working 24-7. Well, just because you say it doesn't mean that it happens uh, like that. Uh, What are you hearing about being able to get product from overseas, whether it is from China, whether it is from from, from South America, uh, and what are you hearing about uh, the ports and their ability to adapt to a 24-7 or a 24-6 or a 26, or are they actually doing more, uh, working more hours? 
Tony, they're they're working slightly more hours from what I've heard. They've not adapted. Yesterday, Los Angeles port still had 60 container ships off the port. That number is down only because the demand is down from the holiday shopping season. Tony, they haven't fixed a problem. There is no fix in sight. And I, I, I want to point out something here. I'm tired of the politicians either lying or being ignorant about COVID and supply chain causing inflation. That's factually false. And any economist that tells you that is lying to your face. Because if you spend an extra dollar because of COVID, you're not spending it somewhere else, Tony. So the aggregate inflation will not go up. COVID doesn't cause us. It may cause you to displace where you spend your money, Tony. You may spend it over here rather than over there. But the total inflation will not be impacted by COVID. It's but, wait, but they make the, the argument. Let, let, me, let me interrupt for a second there, uh, sir. They're making the argument that COVID causes the the less productivity and, that, and, and the shipping issues. We have less product, as you describe it. Inflation is too much cash and not enough stuff. And that's why we have inflation. Are you saying that that's wrong? No, Tony, it's true. Too much cash, not enough stuff. But both of those are caused by government. The government is sending out stimulus checks. The government is spending like drunken sailors. And they're the ones that are that are limiting through regulation the stuff in the ports, stuff coming in because of OSHA and environmental rules in California. So you're right. Too much cash, not enough stuff. But both of those problems are created by government, not by businesses. And last week, Biden blamed businesses, meat producers, meat packers. He said they're causing inflation. Tony, he was going after them back in July before we had this inflation scare. So this is just a repackaged, retread uh, target that he's been after for the entire time he's been in office. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, uh, mattwill.com. The question, of course, is when does this end? And when I hear uh, Secretary Buttigieg talk about, you know, the shipping of goods and manufacturing of goods, we need to manufacture more goods here. Some people wonder whether or not that's the answer to all of this. Well, we have to stop making things in China and we have to make them in the United States. The argument against that says you need a supply chain that isn't reliant just on one spot. So if things go bad in place X, you can still get things from place Y and place Z. In your view, would bringing back, whether it's drug manufacturing or or name your manufacturing, would bringing it to the United States solve our issues? Tony, I agree with one thing. We need redundancy. We know that when we had the earthquake in Japan a few years ago, production for Hondas and Toyotas shut down because they made some parts only in Japan. Redundancy is good. But, Tony, over 90% of everything you buy is on a container ship at some point. It is impossible. It will cause low productivity, lower standard of living, higher inflation if we were to go this route of saying, no, bring everything back. Tony, you couldn't afford an iPhone if it was made in the United States. They have millions of people around the world making iPhones. You can't get that many people in the supply chain in any one place in this country if your life depended on it. It's just not physically possible. Well, that creates, it's in and of itself, an an entire issue. But as you're staring uh, down this, and we saw that the White House put out a graph about bringing down inflation, their graph from the White House says that we'll see inflation at about 3% uh, quarter four 2023. 
24 months from now, two full years from now. That is not something that I would be bragging about, especially as you commented. Uh, they were calling it transitory just a few months ago. What are the economists you talk to? What are what are you seeing about the future uh, inflation? And when does it start coming back into some normal line? Tony, I know this isn't the answer that people want to hear, but you cannot predict the future. We've seen it recently. It's impossible. You find five economists, you'll get 10 opinions. This this is not possible to predict. I mean, we've seen the track record just in the last year. So all bets are off. Don't try to guess what's going to happen. As long as you have drunken sailors spending money in Washington, D.C., you're going to have inflation. Um, so I would ask you the question. As the person that's more attuned to the political side of the equation, do you think the government's going to stop spending money? Oh, you are adorable. I ever tell you how cute you are? You are just like a precious little flower. That's what you are. That's what you are. They, they should make Matt Will dolls, you know, Matt Will teddies that, 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 that kids could sleep with at night and say, you're, you're my cutest little economist. Yes, you are. Is the government going to stop spending? What? Don't. I, isn't that the first rule of like law school to, or being a lawyer? Don't ask a question you don't know the answer to, but you knew the answer, so you got to ask the question. Good for you. I've not been here as long as Senator Byrd, and no one fully understands the Senate as well as Senator Byrd. But I've been here for over three decades. I think this is the single most significant vote any one of us will cast in my 32 years in the Senate. And I suspect uh, the Senator would agree with that. And we should make no mistake, this nuclear option is ultimately an example of the arrogance of power. It is a fundamental power grab by the majority party propelled by its extreme right and designed to change the reading of the Constitution, particularly as it relates to individual rights and property rights. It's nothing more or nothing less. And let me take a few moments to explain that. Nah, we're good. Joe Biden, back in the day, 2005, to be exact, being opposed to getting rid of the filibuster. Yet here he is now screaming and yelling that you wascally Republicans are nothing but a bunch of low rent, dirty racists in favor of Jim Crow laws, acting like Bull Connor. You're going to be on the side of George Wallace, are you? George Wallace, 1963, segregation now, segregation forever. It was Joe Biden who was once cheering uh, his name for for speaking so well of him. (laughs) Joe Biden's got the history, man. Joe Biden has got the absolute history. But this this push on, on the filibuster and trying to get rid of it. They're they're getting played. Did you hear Tom Cotton? Tom Cotton goes to the to the well of the Senate to talk about the filibuster and gives this impassioned, impassioned speech, and not a word of it was his. Here he is talking about how we can't get rid of the filibuster and how it's it would turn us into a banana republic, and this is as wrong as wrong can be, and this is what happens when 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 we don't uh, adhere to and accept the, the rule of law. He was quoting Chuck Schumer from a speech in 2005. Tom Cotton, Republican from Arkansas, the entire speech. 
He did the entire freaking speech. Oh, it was precious. I think on Twitter, the response was, Twitter, I'd like to report a murder. Because Tom Cotton just killed him. Get it? See, see what happened? Right. That's, a, that's a good line. Unreal. Absolutely, positively unreal. They are caught in, you know, uh, uh, full disclosure, I hate... I hate the, 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 the word hypocrisy. I hate it. Absolutely despise it. I think it's overused. When, when like, like I do like a cable news hit or something like that, I'm on with a panel and I hear other people saying, well, the hypocrisy here. Come on. Up the game. I don't want to out anybody. I mean, they're making a point, and I think that very often the points are, are, are legitimate. But up the game. Don't just say the hypocrisy. Say something. Say something clear and say something direct and say something focused. That's that's what you should do. So I, I really do have issues with the with the terminology of, of, of hypocrisy. But when you have people like Schumer and people like the president less than 20 years ago saying if you get rid of the filibuster it's going to be a banana republic and now screaming that we have to get rid of the filibuster in order to save democracy well two things are happening first man are these craven political animals and second this whole commentary about saving democracy I can think of few things that are more dangerous This is an unbelievably dangerous thing that they're saying, an unbelievably dangerous game that they're playing. What they're saying is that if somehow I got into power or majority party, it would be the end of civilization. So they have to go to these extreme measures in order to save us from, well, me. From Republicans, from conservatives. I'm a conservative. I'm not a Republican. I And trust me, the Republican Party in Indiana is very aware of this. That I get invited to speak at Lincoln Day dinners is just unbelievable. It really is. It's absolutely, positively incredible that I get invited to speak at these things. It's something else. But, I, you know, I appreciate it. I do. Happy to go. My rate's gone up, but, oh, am I good. I mean, I'll do an hour. I will crush. I will, I will leave that room wanting more. The men will be throwing their underwear on stage. That's how good I am. I'm not even, not even going to lie. It's that good. But I'm a conservative. But this is the argument that the Democratic Party is making. Ask yourself, is this, is this an argument that's worthy of America? That party will destroy you destroy your way of life, destroy America, and therefore we have to change everything about America in order to save it. The argument of that party is going to hurt you. Well, that's that seems to be standard politics these days, Republican or Democrat, or my God, Libertarian, what would it matter? We have to end America to save you. That's the new wrinkle. The Republicans would argue, we have to keep America in order to save America. Right? That would be the, 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 the line. We have to burn it all to the effing ground in order to save it? Dude, that is messed 
up. Messed up. Messed up. So we shouldn't be looking at this and thinking that there is a a, a, a value here. We shouldn't be looking at the Democratic Party and saying, my gosh, they're doing us so well. We should be asking ourselves, do we want this to be the conversation in America? Because this conversation, this conversation is disaster. I was talking about this. You guys know I do a video series over there at Rumble, the Morning Rumble with Tony Katz presented by Americans for Prosperity. And I was discussing the fact that one of the lingering effects of COVID that's going to go on far longer than the pandemic is the effect on free speech, the censorship we've seen in big tech, and the ability for us to be able to engage a conversation. We've taught an entire generation of kids, don't believe something unless the fact checkers at Facebook have told you it's okay. Fact checkers at Facebook. The fact checkers at Facebook are the people who got picked last for kickball in elementary school. That's who they are. And now we've taught our kids, that's who you trust? Oh... That's a real problem. And now we have a political party saying that another party can't be trusted with democracy, so we have to change the nation? There are problems here far greater than maybe we've put our first thoughts to. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, everything at TonyKatz.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.